This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. The uneasiness at Mayo Clinic Square gets a break this week because the Wolves front office is in Chicago for the Combine. We will get to some Combine news later in this podcast. Guys that the Wolves have interviewed, and I have an update on a few draft prospects that will be in town next week for workouts. The Wolves have the 20th pick in the first round, plus they have a second round pick. This is a very good draft, so the Wolves, whether they use the pick at pick 20 or use that pick in some sort of trade it is an asset so i will continue to monitor draft happenings plus i'll provide an update on gary trent jr former apple valley high school star he is at the combine reed travis of stanford did not get a combine invite but he has already worked out for the nets and the Cavs. and i have at least one more team that he'll be working out for before he makes up his mind on what to do play a fifth year of college basketball or stay in the draft he has until the end of the month i do know that there are some blue bloods after him i know that kentucky has all sorts of interest in reed travis kansas villanova so reed travis has options plus he can go play another season at Stanford. I will continue to say my opinion, Reed Travis is an NBA player, whether it's this year or next year. I will also continue to monitor other guys with local ties that are draft eligible. J.P. Makura from Xavier, who went to Lakeville North. Kyle Washington of Cincinnati, who went to Benilde St. Margaret's. Nate Mason, the former gopher. And Zach Lofton, he went to Columbia Heights High School. He was a gopher for a hot second. So it's a good year for local NBA draft prospects. That was a lot before I even got to the fact that this is Scoop Podcast episode 147. A reminder, just with a busy personal life, especially these couple months, May and June, coaching my older son, Droogie, and his baseball team. One podcast a week is the goal. If I can get to two, that's great, but this will be another week where I can only get to one. Then on the professional side, some things are going on. On the Channel 5 side, nothing bad, but somebody will be out of the office for almost six weeks, maybe a little less, but give or take. So we have to do some adjusting on that front. So everything is all over the place. But hey, I guess if there's a time to not be omnipresent on the podcast front, maybe it's this time of the year. Although as we approach free agency in the NBA and NHL, I better ramp up my game. And you know what? June is a busy draft month. So you know what? I just talked myself out of that. There's always something going on. There's not a good time to not be producing content. But hey, I'm doing my best. So stay with me. Bear with me. I will produce as many podcasts as I humanly can. The Scoop Podcast is brought to you by Skoll Marketing. They are a business-to-business marketing agency. They want your small business to get more attention. Skoll Marketing specializes in working with local small businesses. They, too, are a locally-owned company, started by two former Google employees to take the little guys to another level. They work with businesses in web development, pay-per-click advertising, social media management, and so many more areas. Let's make Google work for you. These guys know how to make Google work for you and your business. Online, it is skullmarketing.com or call now to schedule your free 30-minute consultation. 612-787-SKOLL. 
612-787-SKOLL. It is Skoll Marketing, skollmarketing.com. I'll get to a plethora of notes on just about every team locally at the end of this podcast. We will go interview, 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 and certainly the interviews will provide some scoopage as well, or at least updates. We will start with Paige Beckers, Hopkins basketball sophomore, Lindsay Whalen, and the Gophers won her badly, Gino Ariama and UConn won her badly, Notre Dame, South Carolina. She can name the university she will play for. When it's all said and done, she has a chance to go down in history as maybe the best, if not the best, one of the best players in Minnesota girls' high school basketball history. So we'll start with Paige in just a second. Then we will transition to Brad Davison. He just got done playing his freshman year for the Wisconsin Badgers. He got a Gophers offer late, but Richard Pitino really never recruited Brad, which was unfortunate, but he hit a home run going to Madison. He has won over Badgers Nation. He is incredibly popular on campus, off campus. He is embraced a ton by the Wisconsin fan base. So I caught up with Brad the other day before he left for a leadership conference over the weekend with Clark Kellogg. So you know that Brad embraces being a leader when he's going to conferences to learn how to become even a better leader. So I'll catch up with Brad. He had shoulder surgery, so he'll give us an update on that, plus some other stuff with Brad. Then Rob Antony, Twins Assistant General Manager, Jason Castro out for the year. Will the Twins trade for a catcher? I think they eventually do trade for a catcher. So we'll get into all sorts of Twins stuff with Rob before he takes off for both Fort Myers and Cedar Rapids. So here is Paige Beckers. We will go in that order, Beck. Davison, then Antony. Here's my recent conversation with Paige. I got her before a workout at Game Face Training in the North Metro. I'm glad I got her before the workout, not after, because Mr. Jordan, her trainer, puts her through one heck of a workout. So here is Paige on where recruiting is going, what she's working on this summer, what she's focusing on when at Game Face Training and other stuff. Paige, let's start with your workouts here at Game Face. How beneficial are these workouts? I mean, do you see noticeable differences with... I mean, whether it's your muscle, your mobility, I mean, just everything that entails your basketball game? Yeah, I've seen a lot of growth over the past year that I've been here. Just my speed, my quickness, and then obviously my strength. It was a big, big plus that I wanted to work on, especially for college. I needed to get stronger. So coming here, it definitely paid off. Is there a number? I mean, do you want to put on another 5 pounds, 10 pounds? Well, I don't know. I just want to put on a lot more muscle, whatever that entails. Uh, I'm sure D knows, and he'll tell me how much I should put on before I get to college. How much of a fine line is it, though, where you don't want to lose your speed, your athleticism, you know, everything that, that makes you the player that you are? So what kind of fine line is that where you do want to get stronger, but you don't want to maybe get too strong? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I like how I am now where I'm quick, I'm fast. I still want to obviously have great jumping ability. So not putting on too much weight, probably mostly muscle, not a lot of, well, you need the fat, but not, not too much fat. That is just a fine line. What sort of goals did you have when you started the workouts here? And how are you doing with those goals, and what goals do you still have to meet? Well, a big goal of mine was like injury prevention stuff. Like I want to stay as healthy as I can, and I've done a pretty good job of that so far. And getting stronger, a lot of coaches, and just knowing that I need to get stronger to the next level, just building muscle. I've done that pretty well, and I'm trying to keep working towards that. And getting uh, quicker because girls at college and girls now are pretty quick, and I need to get faster. So. You say next level. Where where are things standing right now with recruiting? Uh, I'm probably gonna narrow it down after this AU season, probably ten or five, and I'll probably make a decision after. I, don't, I actually don't know, but 
I'm hopefully going on more recruiting visits this year and just cut it down then. How many offers are you up to? Uh, maybe in the 20s. I'm not sure, but I don't know. I'm just blessed. I mean, is it overwhelming or, I mean, do you enjoy this process? I mean, that is just, that is so many offers. I know, yeah, but I've, I'm really trying to enjoy it and just talk to the coaches and build relationships everywhere and just going on visits. It's a lot of fun. At the same time, when they can contact me come September, I think it'll be a little stressful, but I'll try to enjoy it as much as I can. So, so far you haven't been able to have any correspondence with, with Lindsay, the new Gophers coach? Yeah, I have talked to her, and I enjoyed it a lot. I'm excited for her and to see what she does with the program, and I'm looking to get up there to go on a visit soon and meet her and meet the new coaches. Is it true? I mean, do you still have a Lindsey Whalen poster in your room, or did you grow up with, with a poster of Lindsey in your room? Yeah, I did, and she signed. I don't know. I have, I have a signed pair of shoes from her from when I was way younger, and, yeah, I've been, always been a fan of her, so just seeing her take over the job and getting to build a relationship with her is really cool. I mean, do you get the sense that with her background that, you know, she'll she'll win no matter what? I mean, heck, if you end up somewhere else, but you know that the program's in good hands with Lindsay. Yeah, exactly. I know it's in great hands. She, I feel like me and her would connect really well because she's a point guard. I'm a point guard. And wherever, whoever goes there, whatever I land, I think she'll do a great job in Minnesota. What are some of the other schools that are, that are showing a lot of interest? I mean, Gino Ariama and UConn, has Gino been here a handful of times? Yeah, I... I UConn, Notre Dame, uh, UCLA, a lot of the Big Ten schools, pretty much all the, a lot of the Power Five schools have came here, and I can't thank them enough. How much do you defer to your dad or, or you know, Coach Brian or somebody else where, you know, there's times where you're a sophomore in high school that you just want to be a sophomore in high school and not have to deal with all the, the calls and text messages? Yeah, I, I I defer to them a lot. They help me a lot through the process. They try, try to help me and just enjoy it and not too much too, uh, put too much pressure on me and just trying to enjoy the process and not letting it all get to my head. Are you doing more USA basketball stuff this summer? Yeah, we actually have tryouts for the U17. Uh, it starts May 24th and goes through May 28th. And then I uh, made the three-on-three team, which will go out in October. We work... Uh, it's like the Junior Olympics is for two weeks. It's in Argentina, and we compete three-on-three teams against the world. So, I mean, are you looking forward to? I mean, after your experience last summer, are you looking forward to, to wearing the red, white, and blue again? Yeah, it's just an amazing opportunity just to be able to wear USA across your chest to represent everyone in the U.S. It's just an amazing feeling. I'll leave you after this and let you go work out. How has your game evolved over the last year? I mean, as you look back at your sophomore year at Hopkins, where have you gotten better, and where do you need to still get better? Well, I think I picked up my mid-range game. Before, I usually scored at the basket or behind the three-point line, but this year I've tried to really develop my mid-range game. And I'm still trying to get my handles tighter and make it, like get combo moves so when people stop my one move, I can go to my next move. And I don't know. I'm just trying to improve everything that I can. I lied, actually. I mean, how much pride do you take in your work ethic? I mean, you know, a lot of people look at you and say, one of the best players ever in Minnesota, maybe the best player when it's all said and done that Minnesota has ever produced. But it's being here on a Monday afternoon, you know, it's, it's the off-season work that makes you the player that you are. So, I mean, how much pride do you take in not only the work you put in on the court, but also here in the gym? Yeah, it's just huge. I'm never satisfied with all the attention or anything that I get. I'm just always working to get better because someone's chasing me and always, someone's always going to be chasing me, and there are better players out there than me. So just working to try to be the best that I can and just worry about that. There's better players than you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's better? 
I don't know. You you can see at the USA Trials, there's some amazing girls out there. So, would it mean a lot though? I mean, when it comes to the state of Minnesota, to go down in history as as one of, if not the best, Minnesota girls high school basketball player ever. Yeah, seeing all the talent that's passed through here, especially like Lindsey Whalen, just to be like in the conversation with her is just it's a it's a blessing. So well spoken for a sophomore, Paige Beckers of Hopkins High School. Her AAU team, by the way, plays in an event this weekend at Bloomington Kennedy High School if you want to go see her play. All right, let's transition from girls basketball to boys basketball. How about men's college basketball? Brad Davison is from Maple Grove. He just got done playing his freshman year for the Wisconsin Badgers. He started a good portion of the season. If not, maybe the whole season. I should have his stats in front of me. I don't, but I do know this much. He had a very successful freshman year. He looks like he is going to have one heck of a Big Ten career. I caught up with Brad the other day in Maple Grove before he took off for a leadership conference this weekend with Clark Kellogg. Brad, as we look back at year one, Badgers year one, I mean, is it safe to say there was some good? Maybe some bad? I mean... Team-wise, I mean, you think about all the NCAA runs that came to an end, and then maybe even some unfortunate with, with the surgery that you needed? Uh, yes, sir. You know, definitely in my freshman year, I'd say it had a lot of ups and downs. Uh, you know, kind of as it went, you are kind of dealt a bad hand with some injuries and some other things that went on. Uh, but all in all, I'm extremely thankful for my first year. You know, I think, uh, you know, we didn't get as many wins as we want. We didn't make the NCAA tournament, which is one of our goals. Um, but there was a ton of growth that we did from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Um, I really think it gave us some momentum moving into next year when we have everyone back. So we're really, really looking forward to Badger year two. I mean, it was a transition year in many ways for Wisconsin basketball, wasn't it? So, I mean, you're right. I mean, you look at next year with everyone back, I mean, you guys should have a really good year. Yes, sir. We're extremely excited. Um, you know, I'll be healing up with my shoulder surgery, and then two of my teammates, Demetri Trice and Kobe King, um, who were sidelined last year, are rehabbing, and they should be good to go. Um, so just having that depth at the guard position is huge, especially in the Big Ten and at that level, because um, it is a long game, 40 minutes of a battle. And so you need depth at, at that position, um, so that'll go a long ways for us next year. Take us through. I mean, you mentioned shoulder surgery. Where are you at in that rehab process? I'm at day 71, uh, so I just passed the 10-week mark. Um, I'm starting to get back into things, taking everything really slow. We're being really cautionary with it, uh, but hoping to get back into non-contact drills with my team um, early this summer. Looking back at your decision to be a Badger, I mean, everything you experienced in year one, just reaffirm your decision to, to commit to Wisconsin. I wouldn't change a thing about it. You know, I think I decided to go play for Coach Guard and that coaching staff and go to that campus, even outside of basketball. I love the campus. I love the people that are there, and I love the school and the academic, academic side, of the, side of it, what I'm getting. Um, so I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I'm really happy to be there, and I love all the relationships that I've gotten through it. And you talk about the people. I mean, I mean that fan base says, I was just talking to your mom, I mean, they've embraced you. I mean, they have welcomed you with, with open arms. It's been surreal. You know, there's Badger fans everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. You go to a restaurant here. You go to a restaurant down south. The Badger fans are everywhere. Um, so that's extremely special. And also just the bond we have with all the other student-athletes. Um, I've, I've grown really close with the football team through Bible studies and athletes in action and with the volleyball team, the soccer teams, the hockey teams, that, those players that we live with. Um, so just the relationships that I've gotten with other student-athletes on campus has been extremely special as well. Certainly more than student-athletes. I mean, just following on, on Twitter, I mean, it seems like, you know, just a lot of people in the community, I mean, all the, all the community service work that you do, it seems like you've, you've gotten close to a number of people. Yes, sir. Um, you know, that's another big thing. One of the reasons why I wanted to go to Wisconsin is I knew the support system they had, and I knew the platform that it would give me going there and my ability to have a positive impact on others um, when I got on campus and started playing. Um, so I'd, with every, every opportunity that I get, I try to give back, whether it's speaking at a church or speaking at an event or just volunteering in the community. Um, I try to do that in every way that I can. I mean, does it surprise you, though, how much 
the the fan base? I mean, just everybody. I mean, even non-fans have, have embraced you? Uh, a little bit. I would say it definitely has, yeah, just because when I look back at, um, you know, my freshman year, we we didn't, in my eyes, we didn't really have a successful season. You know, that's not really what we were going for. We The record that we had and missing the tournament, that wasn't in our plans. Um, so when I look back at it, I didn't think we had a very successful season, but they still supported us throughout. Um, and even until the last game against Michigan State, we had a sold-out Cole Center. We sold out every game, and that's extremely special. Um, and it really makes me proud to be a Badger and proud to represent them. Uh, so hopefully we can make it up for them next year. On an individual level, though, can you call year one a success? Uh, you know, I try not to make individual goals, um, and I'd say it was definitely an unexpected year for me because when I was, you know, when you think about your freshman year, you never think about an injury. And, you know, I think it was extremely tough for me to play through that shoulder injury, and there was definitely um, some limitations of what I could and could not do. Um, so I'd say it was a success as in I really enjoyed playing, and it was a dream of mine to play in the Big Ten, and I absolutely loved every moment of it. But, and again, I know there's a lot of things I need to improve on, um, so I'm really looking forward to year two. Did you learn some things about yourself being able to play through that injury? I mean, you know this. A lot of guys would not have played through that injury. I think it was a testament to my faith and strengthened my faith as I got through it because uh, I know I wouldn't be able to go through that season by myself. Um, you know, I truly believe the Lord was looking over me and working within my shoulder to allow me you know, to keep practicing and when it would pop out to them, allow me to keep going just because it was, it was excruciating pain most of the time. And I, I think I really relied on my faith to get me through that season. How eye-opening is, is the jump up in competition? I mean, you certainly played against a number of good players on the EYBL circuit, yeah. but then playing against juniors and seniors in the Big Ten, how much of a leap up is that? Yeah, I think playing in the EYBL definitely gave me a head start, just trying to get, open my eyes to that level and that athleticism. Um, but although it is a big jump athletically and strength and speed-wise, I think the biggest jump is mentally, just because it is such a thinking game. You know, there's rules about everything you do. Um, and I think once I started realizing that it was just still basketball, and since I kind of clicked, like, this is the game I've been playing since I was three years old, um, I became a lot more confident with it. Um, so I think the biggest jump is just kind of wrapping your head around the game mentally. How much fun was it to beat the Gophers? <laughs> I mean, every, every win in the Big Ten is huge. Um, but, you know, to beat the Gophers, um, it was a big game, big win for us. We were just kind of getting things rolling overtime at home. Um, so it was a big win for us. Yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, I mean, a lot of things get foggy in my brain. But that was a roller coaster of a game. Like, for a while there, it looked like, hey, the Gophers have this game. Yeah, you know, they, they started out really hot. Uh, we hit shots early to kind of keep us in the game, and they had it rolling in the second half. And then I think we kind of stormed back, um, and then I think we kind of took over in the overtime. Um, but, you know, they also dealt with a lot of injuries this year. We, our seasons were kind of in the same boat. Um, so to see both teams competing at that end of the season was still a lot of fun. What will you work on in the gym? I mean, presumably you'll get full clearance here in the, in the coming weeks. What's the focus this summer? Yeah, so the focus right now is just getting healthy because, you know, I look back and I watch film of what – of my game last year, and I think a lot of things will <laughs> improve with me having the ability to use my left hand more. Um, but then once I get healthy, and there'll be a lot more things around the rim, whether it's post-up games or driving, jump stopping, and finishing around the rim, just because it is, there's a lot of big guys in there. You're not, not really allowed, not really able to go off one foot all the time. So I'd say that, and then just being more consistent with my outside shot. Looking back at, at last year, did you guys go to, where was it, Australia, New Zealand? in August. How, how beneficial? I mean, could that have worked out any better as a freshman coming in to get that experience, that team bonding before, you know, everything ramped up in October? Yes, it was perfect um, for all of us freshmen. We had four freshmen coming in. Um, it's huge just to get some games underneath our belt, some in-game experience underneath coach and with our older teammates. Um, but even outside of basketball, just being able to spend two weeks with the guys off campus, because you don't get off campus very much, um, but just off campus, off campus and that bonding that did for us it brought all of us so much closer together and that stuff translates onto the basketball floor how are you evolving as a leader i would say the biggest thing is i 
through struggle. Uh, I think that's when kind of leadership is born is through adversity. And I think we had a lot of adversity first year, which Wisconsin's you know, basketball is really not used to. Um, so it kind of allowed me to step up to the plate in that leadership role. Um, and I think it took a while throughout the season for me to fully embrace it and be confident in that role. Um, but I think that's kind of one of the reasons that turned us around at the end of the year because I became confident in that role. Speaking of adversity, I mean, somebody I'm guessing that you've gotten to know really well is, is Nate Reavers of Lakeville North. I mean, for a while we thought, oh, he's going to redshirt. Then all of a sudden, no redshirt. What was it like playing with Nate, and, and how close have you guys become? We became extremely close, whether it's on the basketball court or going to get food or just walking around campus we became extremely close um you know he's a special talent he's gonna be really good at wisconsin um you know the plan was to redshirt him and then coach pulled his redshirt i think game six or seven um but he has a lot of p- potential you know i think this is a big off season for him and he's doing really well with it he's taking it head on he's gained a lot of weight put a lot of muscle on um so really excited for his future that he has with us at wisconsin Correct me if I'm wrong, did you go watch D1 Minnesota last weekend? And I mean, they have a couple guys that, that Coach Guard wants badly, Coach Krabenhoft, I mean, Zeke Najee, Tyler Wall. I mean, heck, can you can you play kind of, you know, de facto recruiter a little bit? <laughs> yes, sir. Nate and I uh, went to watch the D1 Minnesota game at Wysetta High School. Um, I had to bring him some basketballs. That's the reason I went, to bring him the basketballs that he forgot in the locker room. Um, but it's always fun to watch the Minnesota talent, you know, whether it's Howard Pulley or D1 Minnesota or any other programs. It's just so awesome to see all the talent that's coming out of Minnesota, uh, whether it was my class, the class below me, and now Tyler Wall, Zeke Najee, that class. Um, it's just fun to watch them. And, you know, yeah, Coach Guard is definitely looking at um, those guys. That's just a testament to the talent that we have here in Minnesota. You know what, expound on your class. I mean, you think about your success. I mean, McKinley Wright, unbelievable year at Colorado. I mean, your former high school teammate, Pickford Wright, had a really good year at Northern Iowa. And I'm leaving out how many different names. Yeah. Gary Trent Jr. had a great year for Duke, right? He still counts. <laughs> Played his junior year at Apple Valley. And I'm leaving out some names. But you think about all the guys in your class that had success instantly. It's super impressive. It's extremely impressive. You know, it makes you proud to be a part of that class, and it makes it a lot more enjoyable um, to watch college basketball. You can turn on ESPN, and there's McKinley for Colorado or Jericho for Texas. Um, you know, that's extremely special, even if you didn't play um, AAU with them. You know, I think when we were in when we were in seniors in high school, the talk was between D1 and Howard Pulley. And I think when you all go to college, it's just Minnesota basketball. And that's the extremely special thing about Minnesota basketball. It is a family, and you want everyone to do well. Um, and that's that goes a long ways. And so when you when you get done with the game and you have texts from all of them telling you good game, like love watching you play, you want to go watch them. And that's extremely special. And I will always root for everyone from Minnesota. I'll leave you after this. How much do you miss football? I mean, we know how good of a quarterback you are. Do you miss it? I miss football every day. You know, like I said, I'm in a Bible study with a lot of the football players at University of Wisconsin. Uh, and just being around them, it kind of fits the football piece in my heart. But I miss the physical contact. I miss, I miss running with the ball. I miss the team atmosphere, just being on the, underneath the lights. Um, but you know what? I get my fix, whether it's playing catch with them on Camp Randall or just holding the ball in my dorm room. You know, I, I get my fix. Um, but, you know, I'm extremely close to them, so I go to a lot of their games and watch it. I definitely wish I was on the field with them, but I just like rooting them on. A special young man, Brad Davison of Maple Grove, Wisconsin Badgers point guard heading into his sophomore year. He has an incredibly bright future one day as a college basketball coach. By the way, he still follows the Gophers incredibly closely, a lot of the Gophers athletics, and he's a big fan of P.J. Fleck. I mean, you listen to Brad talk, he's got a little P.J. Fleck in him, always full of positivity. Brad Davison of the University of Wisconsin. All right, let's transition to the Twins. Rob Antney is the Twins assistant general manager. The Twins are 18 
19 and 21 with an off day on Thursday, heading into a weekend series at Target Field against the Ryan Braunless Milwaukee Brewers. Rob, always a pleasure to catch up. You guys are what, 18 and 21 through, what is that, 39 games. Rob, what surprises you more? The fact that you guys are three games under 500, or as you look at the central standings, you guys are only a game and a half behind the Indians. Well, I guess it goes hand in hand. We didn't expect to be under 500, but we also didn't expect Cleveland to be 21 and 21. So I guess they go together. Um, We've had a tough time with our starting rotation, having any consistency with quality starts. And and Cleveland's had a little bit of a tough time with their bullpen. So everybody has their problems, but that's what makes baseball fun and interesting. Did you guys, though, foresee maybe some hiccups? In April, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the games in April. You knew you would be facing a lot of good lineups and also a lot of good starting pitchers. Yeah, I don't think we really looked at it, and we don't want to make excuses because everybody has to play the same <clears throat> the same teams and mm-hmm. and face good pitching. But I think uh, you know, I think we expected our rotation to be maybe better than it has been so far. But I think Odorizzi's coming around and, and, and pitching well. And Lance Lynn obviously has had a tough time, but I attribute a lot of that to uh, the late signing in spring training, and, and he didn't go through his normal, regular routine, and and I still believe he's going to get on track and, and be a, a good starter for us before the season's over and be helpful uh, to our cause. And when you say normal routine, I mean, is some of that the conditioning? I mean, do you think Lance Lynn can be in better shape? Well, I think I think uh, everybody has their off season, and in in baseball, you have kind of an in, in, internal clock that says, "Okay, now it's time to ramp it up." There's baseball shape, and there's just being in shape. You throw bullpens and whatever, but when you're once you join the team and you get in the the weight room and you're doing your running and you're doing a lot of other things with other people, you kind of push each other. And he missed out on that for you know a good part of spring training, so. Um, I don't think it's the same. I think he had his his arm in shape, but everything else kind of helps and, and dictates your command and control and your lower halves and, and uh, gone through the conditioning and everything else. So I think that's where he's probably been impacted the most. What about the lineup? What what stands out both good and bad about the lineup through these first 39 games? <clears throat> well, I think Escobar's been, you know, as he did last year when Sonoma mm-hmm. Went down. He stepped in and done a really nice job for us. Um, it's been frustrating with with having Sano out of the lineup and, and Buck having a couple issues. And we never really this season have been able to play with our full lineup. You know, the first few games, but even then, Polanco's missing. So and we don't get him back for another forty one games. So um, I think Kepler. I think everybody's had their turn doing well, but nobody's really been on a consistent streak other than Joe Maurer who's been you know Joe Maurer all year from day one and you know Logan Morrison started out struggling he's been doing well uh, the last month and you know as, as you look up and down Brian Dozier hasn't put up typical Brian Dozier numbers but he's a streaky guy and when he gets hot he can carry you for a while so um, I'm sure that I'm sure that's still coming yeah I'm with you I mean it is weird to think that Brian Dozier has yet to hit a home run this year at Target Field. Yeah, that's there's some things you just can't explain, and and uh, that would be one of them. 
I mean, is there any sense that that is, you know, future free agent status? I mean, heck, it doesn't look like you guys are going to sign him to an extension here in season. Is there any sense that that's weighing on his mind? Uh, that's a question you'd have to ask him, but he, he doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to be. He goes about his business like he always does. And, you know, he's working hard. He's taking extra BP when he needs to and giving his body a break when he needs to. So he's a smart player, a veteran player who knows what he needs to do. And, and I'm sure he's been, you know, frustrated with, with the start, but I don't know if it was last year or the year before the first month and a half, he didn't get off to a great start and then he just lit it up. So, um, he he's a streaky guy. Rosario's a streaky guy. There's we have a lot of guys who, when they get hot, they get really hot. And when they're struggling, it can be it, they can get into a prolonged slump. A little bit more on Escobar. I mean, is he not talked about enough? I mean, heck, I mean he's a free agent last time I checked, right? But you know, all the talk about free agency is Brian Dozier, then Joe Maurer, then potentially Logan Morrison, then Lance Lynn. Then the idea that you guys might need a new closer, right? Fernando Rodney on a one-year deal. It's almost forgotten that Eduardo Escobar is a free agent after the season. Yeah, he's not forgetting in this organization or forgotten in this organization or in that clubhouse. I think he is the the glue in that clubhouse, to be honest with you. He's Mm -hmm. a really upbeat guy, and you can put him over at second. You can put him at third. You can put him at short. Um, he, He can do a lot of things. He's a very popular player. He's a very positive player and he brings a lot of energy and he pro- produces on the field. I think he's got seven home runs and, and he comes up big. I said this the other day. It seems like every time we get something going, he's right in the middle of it. So he's been, he's been a very valuable player for us. Rob, can you take us through the inner workings on, on Jason Castro? I mean, what I'm getting at is, and I'll be frank. I mean, <clears throat> when I first saw the news that, that he had a torn meniscus, I'm thinking catcher torn meniscus. Like, you need surgery right away. So it surprised me that surgery was delayed. Then the surgery happens. Then what? They discovered maybe a little bit more serious injury than initially thought, and now he's, he's out for the year? Yeah. Basically, they did an MRI. They did all the things that you can do to get a look at it prior to going in. And our doctors saw the same thing as the doctors at uh, Stedman Clinic. And they both basically said initially – Okay, he's he's had issues before, and he's had uh, he doesn't have a full meniscus. You know, it's it's been torn, and when they got in there, they realized it was torn more than than any of the images showed, mm. and so they had to make a decision if if you uh, do a complete repair uh, and and cut away some of the uh, parts that's damaged or frayed. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm giving him my best best uh, information based off what we've been given and mm-hmm. is that uh, that if you get below 25% of the meniscus intact, there's a chance that if it goes, you, you can't catch again and his career could have been in jeopardy. So they repaired what they could and they're going to do some PRP injections. Uh, either way, he was going to be out for five to seven months. Um, our initial reports and the way he felt and the things he was doing he was able to run straight forward. He was able to do everything. The only time it bothered him was when he would twist, when he would swing, mm. or when he would round a base. So um, th- those are those are tricky, and it's one of those where you want to avoid it, surgery if possible, and you try and get all the information you can, but 
Um, I, I think it was handled as well as you can, and, and sometimes you just, when you have the best doctors in the world looking at it and they agree on things, you you trust that. And I don't, I'm not saying they made a mistake because I don't think they did. They just went off the information they could gather based on the imaging, and sometimes you just don't know until you, you open it up and you go in there and you see exactly what's going on. So as we progress here, I mean, Mitch Garver's job for the foreseeable future, I mean, it's not like he's a young guy, Rob. What is he, 27 years old? So I guess we can figure yeah. out, you know, who Mitch Garver is here the rest of the season and who knows, maybe into next year. Yeah, it's, it's possible. I mean, we're looking at all all options. You know, Bobby Wilson's a veteran guy who really handles pitchers well. He's really good defensively, and he's not uh, an impact bat. Mitch Garver's a better hitter, um, but he is behind him defensively, and, you know, he, he has some work to do defensively, so it's hard to say, okay, let's just give the job to Mitch and, and let him run with it. So we need to uh, get a look and, and see and make some determinations there, but um, he's obviously come up with some big hits for us, and he's had some good games behind the plate, and he's had others where he struggled. I mean, is it safe to say, Rob, that you guys will acquire an outside catcher, whether that's a free agent like a Miguel Montero or trade for a catcher? It's just a matter of whether that catcher slots in as the number two guy, you know, with you guys or the number one guy, or maybe he's the number one guy at AAA Rochester? Um, I would say it's probably safe to say we're going to have to acquire somebody, whether it's for insurance or uh, to be on the big league squad as a one or two. Um, I, w- I would say it's safe to say we're going to give every attempt. I don't think we're going to you know, sell the farm to acquire a catcher that's not going to be an impact guy and is, is kind of a tidy, tidy over until Castro's ready next year. But mm-hmm. um, we will look to see if we can improve our situation and our depth definitely. I mean, is trade talk active right now? I mean, are you talking to teams? If not you, then Thad or Derek? Um, we have had conversations, and some clubs have reached out. Obviously, after an injury like that, some clubs reach out if they think they have something that they'd be willing to, to move. Um, but we have not progressed to the point where we're, we're deep in talks with anybody right now. Where are things at? Let's get some injury updates. Where are things at with, I guess, let's start with Miguel Sano. Uh, this has been a, a good week for him. He's improved good. his nice. his, uh, his running and with less pain. And you know, you keep your fingers crossed. And, and with hamstrings, it's really hard to predict. You know, um, we're, we're hoping that after a few more days, he'll be getting close to being able to go out on a rehab assignment. But um, you don't want to push those things too quickly and have a setback because then he's out for an, another month or something. So. Uh, the closer you get, sometimes the little more careful you need to be, just so that you don't don't push it too hard too quickly. Um, but hopefully he'll be he'll be out playing soon, and hopefully back up here soon playing. Wouldn't it be nice if you could pencil him in for for 155 games in a season? It would be wonderful. He's uh, when he's in the lineup, he gives us a different different look, a different threat, a different we're a different team when he's out there. Irvin Santana. Through a 50-pitch live BP today down in Florida and extended. Mm. Uh, he broke it up 20 pitches, sat for a couple minutes, and then did 15, sat another 15. Good. And felt felt really good. Um, his command and control was better than his last BP. 
Um, I think he's getting to the point where we'll probably stick him in a game and extend it soon, and if all goes well, then we can start him on his uh, his rehab pro, uh, program. Then Trevor May, is he even starting today for Rochester? Uh, I believe it is today. I know he's in Rochester it's today or tomorrow he's starting, but um, he's he's doing well. The velocity's coming back. He's throwing all his pitches without any discomfort, so um, he's just had the normal stiffness after he's pitched. He's very upbeat and optimistic, and that guy has worked really, really hard to to get back and to get where he is. Um, so, you know, obviously we're all pulling for him, and we definitely could uh, could use the healthy Trevor May up here. I mean, where do you use him? I mean, you're right. I mean, I guess it's sort of always sorts itself out. I mean, he's still a couple weeks away from, from being eligible to come off the 60-day DL, but I'm just curious, does he slide in as a starter or in the bullpen? Well, we have rehabbed him, and we've, we've treated him to try and uh, be ready to be a starter. Um, those You're right, those things sort themselves out. We've had some discussions, but we always pretty much end it with the decision will be made with us for us with either performance or injury or, or what have you. Um, but when when he's ready to go, um, if he looks like he he can help us right away, he's gonna he, we can bring him up. And if we have to put him in the pen and try and keep him stretched out, we can do that. And if there's a spot for him in the rotation, we can plug him in and see how that goes. On Jorge Polanco, you briefly brought him up earlier in the conversation. What what is he able to do right now? And are you able to have correspondence with him? Yeah, he's with. Uh, working out with our extended club and he can play in any games where there's no admission, where it really doesn't count per se mm-hmm. in the league standing or anything. So um, I'm going to see him on Friday. He's going to play nine innings Friday at short and I'll get him again on Monday for nine innings at short. So um, he's building up to the point where when we get within about, 15-day games of when he can return, we can start him on a regular uh, rehab assignment. And that, at that point, he can join Rochester or Fort Myers or, or wherever we want him to go to be prepared to play immediately when he comes off the 80-game suspension. Solid. I'll leave you after a couple more points. Barrios, do you feel like after Tuesday night that, that he figured out whatever whatever issues he had previously? Um, well, I'll say he pitched extremely well, and, and you know he pitched great in Puerto Rico, and, and then I'm not sure what happened in his next few starts, but um, sometimes it just takes a little mechanical adjustment. Sometimes it's sliding over on the rubber a little bit. There's a lot of different things that it can be, so I'll leave that up to our pitching coach and, and people down in the, in the clubhouse to figure out. But obviously when he pitches like he did the other day, uh, we have one of the the better young pitchers in the game out there. And uh, it's exciting and fun to watch. Fernando Romero might be one of those better, younger pitchers in the league pretty darn quick. Is his early success here a surprise to you? I wouldn't say his success is a surprise, but he's really had pretty good command and control, which we weren't entirely sure he would because he's a pretty energetic guy who – uh, you hope he doesn't get too pumped up and too excited. He's controlled his emotions. He's been able to throw strikes, and his stuff is really, really good. If he is able to continue to incorporate the changeup a little bit more and more, uh, he will have three 
three good pitches to go to, and and uh, he definitely has the velocity you're looking for. Does not diminish much during the game. He's able to hold it. Um, so it's been really fun to see him see him work in his first three games. It's not often that a young pitcher comes up. Sometimes they have a really good first game, and then the second time out, you know, they have a tough time. And he's backed it up twice, so that's been really, really encouraging for us. And I would say he's backed it up against some pretty good lineups. No, no question. That's that's one of the most impressive parts of it. And he gave up the the lone run he's given up was was we just missed the double play, and you could see how uh, you know the emotion of ah, you know, almost had him. You mm-hmm. know, he doesn't like to give up any runs, and he's a guy who's just going to attack and go at you. He's not a guy who's going to back off if he gives up a few hits. He'll just dig in deeper and. And he's very competitive, so he has a lot of the intangibles you're looking for from a, a young pitcher. Rob, we'll leave you after this. Your your upcoming trips to to both Fort Myers and Cedar Rapids. I mean, you mentioned you'll get to see Jorge Polanco, but who are some other guys that you're looking forward to seeing? I mean, there's a lot of good prospects in both locations. Yeah, there are, and you know, Travis Blankenhorn at uh, at Fort Myers and Luis Arizet. Uh, he has a big first baseman are three of the position guys that I'm probably uh, most looking forward to seeing. And then there's a lot of guys from the draft last year that I didn't get to see after after the draft. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, a lot of those guys. And Andrew Katura, who is a starting pitcher for us, he's dealt with a lot of injury issues, but he's out there now, and he's been pitching very well since uh, – since he's returned from injury. And when you go to Cedar Rapids, there's a lot of guys to get excited about. Gratterall and, and Enlo in the rotation are both guys that we really like. I'm looking forward to seeing Tyler Watson. He pitched, he gave up five runs. Unfortunately, they were all, or fortunately for him, I guess, they were all unearned last night. But he's been throwing the ball well, so I'm, I'm uh, excited to see him. And they've got prospects all over the place. Rort Vett behind the plate and Banuelos, who we acquired. Uh, from Seattle for international money. Yeah, that was a good move. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, Royce Lewis and, and Jose Miranda, Andrew Bechtel, that third, who we took in the draft last year, Akil Badu, and Alex Kirilov. We have some of our best prospects there. And uh, J.C. Arias has really come on since since he jumped up from extended. He's been a real spark plug for them as well, an outfielder who can who can run and can throw plays good defense, and, and now he's swinging the bat much better with a little bit of pop. So that that's uh, definitely a trip I would recommend anybody here who likes to go see some future twins to make the trip to Cedar Rapids because they have a good club and, and a lot of prospects are young in that league, um, especially position player-wise, but they are holding their own and doing well. If I want to see Royce Lewis, should I make that trip like really, really fast? Well, obviously, I think he's hitting 330, and there's a chance he's going to get moved up, but he only has 100 at bat. I don't think it would hurt to just leave him alone where he's at for right now. Um, but at some point, I would suspect he's going to, if he continues to, to do well, um, we kind of like to leave guys sometimes there for the first half, and, and I'd say Royce is probably a pretty strong candidate to make the all-star team there and let oh, him play yes. in that. Yeah. Kind of a, a nice deal, and for them, and then at that point, maybe you move him up. Um, but we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. He needs to stay healthy, continue to play well, and and then we'll see where that goes. 
but perfect. So I've got a few weeks then on Royce. Okay, good. Thank you. It's a trip. Uh, so You're I right. It's is, a trip worth making. All I know is I told, I told Jeremy Zoll when before he left town. I said, "Hey, listen." I'm going to Cedar Rapids last week of the the month. <laughs> so if you're going to move Royce Lewis, how about we do it sometime in June? <laughs> I love it, Rob. Safe travels, and we'll connect sure. soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Doogie. That was Twins Assistant General Manager Rob Antney. There was a report from an Iowa reporter that Royce Lewis was on the cusp of moving to Fort Myers. Heck, we know it's a matter of when, not if. Royce Lewis this year. We'll play for the Fort Myers miracle, but it doesn't sound like, according to Rob, that that will be happening in the next handful of days. So if you're contemplating a trip to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to see all those top prospects, and yes, Rob is right. I mean, some of those guys absolutely will play for the big league club. It is well worth your time. In fact, I think Droogie and me, if we can make it work, it's going to be tough with his baseball schedule, but if we can make it work, I'm going to absolutely try to get down there sometime in June, certainly after Memorial Day. So maybe early June, mid-June, we'll have to look at the calendar but I absolutely would like to get down there. All right, I will empty out my notebook, and we'll call it a podcast. Let me start with some – well, let me start with the Twins. I mean, Rob is right. They are going to acquire a catcher, and the buzz is they're not going all in on, you know, the guy from the Marlins or somebody else. But they will acquire some sort of catcher, so be on the lookout for that in the very near future. Also on Lancelin, I brought it up with Rob, but there are some people internally wondering if he can be in better shape. That is it possible that he's throwing all these balls, not locating his pitches, because he can be in better shape. So I know there's some encouragement internally that they'd like for him to be in better shape, the shape he was in when he pitched for the Cardinals. On the Vikings front, they announced on Thursday morning they will have joint practices with the Jacksonville Jaguars at their new practice facility in Egan in mid-August. It's great because with the stadium right there on the property, there are multiple locker rooms there, so there's plenty of space for another team to come in. So that'll be cool. Two practices with Jacksonville heading into the preseason game at U.S. Bank Stadium in mid-August against the Jaguars. Brian Robison B-Rob is back for his 12th year. He is taking a pay cut. He has restructured his contract yet again. He was on the hook for $3.2 million this year. He will not make $3.2 million. He will make considerably less, but he wants to be back for one more year in purple. He feels like that championship window is wide open and he doesn't want to leave the Vikings organization, so he had very little leverage. So he's back, but he had to take a pay cut. The Vikings signed a defensive tackle a couple days ago, David Perry. He went to Stanford. He started 32 games for the Colts in 2015 and 2016, then ran into some off-the-field issues, was with the Saints briefly last year, then unemployed for the last few months until the Vikings came calling. I was curious because the Vikings brought in Perry for a visit last week, then signed him this week. Did the Vikings reach out on other defensive tackles like Rashid Hageman? Like Jay Bromley. Now, Bromley signed with the Saints. He was a good player for the Giants. The Vikings never had interest in Bromley. And on Hageman, I actually ran into Hageman the other day, the Vikings did not reach out. He worked out for the Patriots last week. I know on Hageman's front, he's got an NFC team that wants to work him out in the near future and a different AFC team that wants to work him out in the near future. I can tell you, just seeing Hageman up close, he is in phenomenal shape. So if he's in the right place mentally, I have no reason to believe he's not. Hageman will sign with an NFL team in the near future. I'm convinced Hageman will land on some team's roster before training camp. The former gopher, former second-round pick, 
of the Atlanta Falcons. On the Wolves, they are in Chicago for the draft combine. The front office, a lot of staff members, medical and what have you, in Chicago. The Wolves, Wednesday night and then Thursday morning and Friday morning, will interview upwards of 15 to 20 draft prospects. Kyrie Thomas of Creighton on that list. Grayson Allen of Duke on that list. Bruce Brown Jr. of Miami on that list, as is Anthony Simons. He was originally a Louisville commit. There was some talk of maybe him considering the Gophers. He was never coming to the Gophers, but that was floated out there. The buzz always was he would go pro as being more than one year removed from high school, played at IMG Academy last year. He's a first-round pick, so Anthony Simons, another player, and the Wolves were able to scout him at least at one point during the season, so they do have a little bit of a book on him, but anyway, Anthony Simons is another player the Wolves are sitting down with in Chicago. They continue to do a ton of homework on wings. I know Alonzo Trier of Arizona will be in town late next week for a workout. Reed Travis, Minneapolis' own former DLSL high school star, he will work out for the Wolves before May 30th as well. So the Wolves have some more draft workouts next week. I know Friday is a draft workout day, and there's a good chance one of the days earlier in the week will be as well. Signs continue to point to Nashville Assistant General Manager Paul Fenton taking over the Wilds front office, and all signs point to an announcement on who the new GM will be. If it's not Fenton, maybe it's somebody else. But if it's Fenton or whoever it is, signs point to that announcement coming before Memorial Day. So sometime next week is a good bet. Maybe even before next week. Maybe it's over the weekend. Maybe it's Friday. But we are moving closer and closer to the Wild officially naming their new general manager on Gophers baseball. They still need to finish strong at Rutgers this weekend. Then the Big Ten tournament, so they still need to finish strong, but they are in a position to host a regional. The word is that they need to up their bid, that there is a bid to host a regional, but it's not a real strong bid right now. Now, if the Gophers end up losing a few games the rest of the way here, it's a moot point. But if they are in a position to host a regional, I sure hope that the bid goes up. I hope there's enough pressure behind the scenes that is put on the administration and they find a way because it's not often the Gophers are in a position to host a regional. So this is a rare opportunity. Take advantage of that opportunity. This is as good a chance as John Anderson has had in a long time to take a team to the Super Regionals. Really don't have anything too pressing left to get into so we'll call it a podcast at the 50 minute mark thank you skull marketing skull marketing.com online or 612-787-SKOL for a free 30-minute consultation they will help your business especially if you're a small local business owner utilize the geniuses at skull marketing they are two former google employees they want to help you succeed they are geniuses they want to make google work for you So if you're a business owner, and again, in particular, a small business owner, think about utilizing Skoll Marketing. Heck, you can't go wrong with a free 30-minute consultation. So again, the phone number, 612-787-SKOLL, or online for more information, it is skollmarketing.com. Skoll Marketing brings you the Scoop Podcast. We are done. That does it for Scoop Podcast episode 147. We'll be back next week.